0: You're listening to the 1208 Podcast from 1208 Greenwood Free Methodist Church in downtown Jackson, Michigan. There's a very odd story, this is the resurrected Jesus who operates differently than the fully human Jesus, this form of Jesus is fully man and also fully heavenly, is the way that Paul talks about him. And so Jesus' body in this instance kind of operates in human ways, but it also operates in angelic ways. So you're gonna see in the story, in the human ways, Jesus can eat bread with people, but in the angelic ways, Jesus can just vanish into thin air, kind of like an angel. So let me read to you the story. And then we'll go from there. I'm in Luke 24, verse 13. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. That's not a usual human thing right there. Usually you know people when you see them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him, and he said to them, What is this conversation you are holding with each other as you walk? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he was going further, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Then they told what had happened on the road, how he was known to them, and the breaking of the bread. There's a sentence in here I really want to pause on today. Did not our hearts burn within us? Well, he talked to us on the road and told us about the scriptures. Did not our hearts burn within us? This is a very miraculous thing that happens sometimes where it's hard to put it into words. You have an experience of God, but it's hard for other people to believe you. It's hard for people to understand it. Because when you try to find the words to explain what it was right, it was just kind of like, my heart was warm. (laughs) And you're like, oh, that's great evidence for the rest of us. You heard God because you experienced an emotion. (laughs) And that kind of throws people for a loop sometimes, especially when you hear crazy news, right? Crazy news. Jesus has risen from the dead. He is, he is not dead anymore. He's resurrected and alive. Oh, well, how do you know it was him? I felt it in my heart. So we're supposed to believe somebody raised themselves from the dead because you have a feeling about it? And, of course, they could go on and say, no, 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 there was more to it than that. We were both witnesses of this. We ate with him. He didn't look like Jesus. And then he broke some bread just like he did at the Last Supper. And then suddenly, bam, it was Jesus. It was the weirdest thing. And then he broke the bread and he just vanished into thin air. What? What? But when they stop and think to realize, like, how do we know that this was Jesus? It's, it's this inner feeling beyond just what they've experienced, beyond just the supernatural. There's this feeling within their body. Their hearts are warmed. And that is a powerful, tangible, miraculous thing that can sometimes change the course of our lives. This is a free Methodist church. So we're um, based around some of the historical work of a guy named John Wesley And he has a famous line that some of you have heard before. Has anybody got it for me? There it is. My heart was strangely warmed. John Wesley was not a very good missionary in Georgia. He went overseas to the Americas, and he failed miserably. There was a little bit of uh, um, work that he did in the community. The community didn't really like him. He was actually very, like, kind of like a religious leader, like someone shot a gun on the Sabbath, which wasn't allowed, so he put him in jail. Pastors used to have all the power. Now we got nothing. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, (laughs) But like he had these, that's kind of the way in which he did ministry, like kind of a curmudgeon. People didn't really love him very much. So he gets back to Britain, and he is kind of at his lowest point. Like he's a failed missionary. They wanted him to leave. He's gone. He doesn't want to really get back over there. And then something happens. He's listening to uh, Martin Luther back in the day, wrote a preface to his commentary about the book of Romans. And John Wesley is just listening to the preface, which, you know, doesn't sound all that interesting. But while he's listening to it, something happens. And he writes it down in his journal. It's a line that's famous to us now. He just says, while I was listening to, to this preface being read from Martin Luther... My heart was strangely warmed. Kind of like these disciples on the road to Emmaus. Our hearts burned within us. And that changed everything. Once you look at John Wesley's life after that, he starts praying a bunch. He brings together a bunch of leaders. They're praying. It turns to midnight on New Year's Day. Suddenly everybody falls on the floor and they're... They're laughing as the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And then they go out and they begin to break all the rules of church. They start preaching in the fields, which wasn't allowed. You always had to preach inside of a church. This was considered unholy. But then people started getting saved. People started showing up in the fields. They're like, what is this all about? And then you started pe- seeing people's hearts strangely warmed all over the place. The Spirit would come on them. They would follow the ground. and And suddenly people would kind of like sense what the spirit was saying while he's on the fly. John Wesley is on stage. He's like, is uh, Bruce here? Bruce anywhere? Down fell Bruce like a stone. What happened? He's in the middle of a message. The Holy Spirit just reminds him of Bruce. He speaks out Bruce's name. He falls down. Bruce is not his real name. I don't remember his real name. But like that's an example right there of just like the spirit at work over and over again. He cast out demons. He did all these things. As the spirit who had warmed his heart continued to compel him forward to do the kinds of things that God wanted him to do. That's not the only story like that. There's a guy named Charles Finney. He was another great revivalist, kind of like John Wesley. Charles was uh, just out in the woods one day kind of praying and then time had just really fast forwarded. He hadn't even realized how long he'd been praying. He goes back to his office, sits down in front of the fireplace and suddenly the Holy Spirit just comes on him like a shockwave, and he just says it was like waves and waves of love just washed over me. And he gets up from that place, and suddenly he goes out and he starts to do ministry, and out of his heart being warmed in that moment, the Spirit begins to continue to work in, in crazy ways that revival comes about through the works of Charles Finney. Teresa of Avila, one of my favorite Christian mystic saints in Catholic history, She had a weird vision that changed a lot of things for her where suddenly she somehow saw an angel. I don't know if it was in her head. I don't know if she saw it with her eyes open. I don't know what. But the way that she describes it is that the angel took a spear and just pierced her heart. Pierced her heart and that she was in this like strong pain. like It was this tangible experience. And out of that moment came this kind of transitioning in her life like that's the moment that we all remember like the biggest moment in Teresa Avila's life and she goes on to just continue forward and and seeing miracles and saintliness and training people in into the um, gifts of God and helping them experience the intimacy of God and things like visions and the like these are all examples of people whose hearts were strangely warmed and when we look at their stories like you know we we look at the fruit and we're like well that had to be God Look at how much of a staple these people have been throughout history. Like they would tell us these stories and be like, well, that was just a feeling inside. Maybe you had a vision, but can we trust that you really had a vision? Maybe you were fasting and you went crazy because you hadn't eaten in so long and you saw this and your body was reacting and all these things. You know like we we might throw all these different little scientific things, but in the end, they would have this conviction, this feeling inside of them that something has changed that would then tangibly cause them to go out and change the world as well. And I think this is an encouragement to us to pay attention to the way in which you feel, to pay attention to the way in which your body is moved by the Holy Spirit. And this is both a warning and also a chance to provoke you. It's a warning because I've met those people where God is in every little thing that happens, and often they go crazy. It's like, it's instead of a demon being behind every bush, as the classic phrasing is, it's like Jesus is behind every bush. <laughs> and I think that's kind of like, that's, it's too much when we get into that place, especially because we start to put Jesus in some places where he doesn't belong. Maybe you've heard people come to you before and like, oh, Jesus taught me this. And you're like, well, that doesn't match anything in the Bible. So I don't know what to tell you about it. Um, Like we have those moments where we can go crazy and Jesus is here, here, here and here. But. But for the majority of us, we don't look for Jesus in the simple things. If our hearts are strangely warmed That, to us, is just a passing, fleeting moment. We we don't always recognize anything spiritual in there. And this is an invitation to pause and listen to those moments, to pay attention to the feelings that that come about in your body, in your spirit. And for a lot of people, this just comes down for science, right? We're enlightened people. We think, well, if it's a vision, it's just a daydream. If it's... uh, Let's say somebody manifests a demon. It's probably just multiple personality. Let's say that uh, um, someone speaks in tongues. Well, they're probably going crazy. Let's say somebody sees something in the room. Maybe they've been fasting so much that they're having a psychotic episode. We can say all these different kinds of things, but all throughout history, these kinds of things have been the, the strong things that people hold on to as moments where God is speaking to them. Sometimes also... Moments where they're encountering the demonic and they're, they're unaware of it. But when it comes down to science, like, you are science. You should expect that if you are experiencing the Holy Spirit in some way, that you, a physical, scientific body, are going to experience the Holy Spirit in a way that, that is tangible. Because if it's not tangible to you, then you miss it, right? So if the Holy Spirit wants to warm your heart to you, that may just feel something like emotion. But that doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit's not the cause of that emotion. What about when Jesus is out in the desert fasting and he keeps seeing Satan? Like We don't think of Jesus as like having a psychotic episode, but we know that fasting can lead into that. We know that Jesus is actually encountering something spiritual. But if we were to analyze Jesus scientifically, we'd be like, well, here's the way that your body shut down and you started seeing things. That doesn't mean that Jesus didn't actually see what he was seeing. That's just our scientific minds trying to explain how visions and fasting work together. When in fact, sometimes in the Bible you see people fasting so they have those kinds of visions. Daniel did the same thing. He fasted until he saw the angel of the Lord show up and explained to him why he was late. Well, it's just science. No, science and spiritual work together. I've learned this a lot when I'm doing, like, uh, deliverance, when I'm casting out demons and whatnot. I've The Holy Spirit has shown me this little technique. I don't even understand fully how it works. When I know if a demon's getting in the way or if I know that... Um, Um, it's time for a demon to go. There is this weird surge of, I like to call it spirit tingles. It's kind of like spider, Spider Spider-Man and his Spidey tingles, whatever that is. But it's just this flow of tingles that moves up my body. And I have to, I have to pray over this situation until I feel it leave my head. Now, most of you, when I explain that, you think I'm crazy, but you can see the fruit when I've done these things. Like, whatever needs to break in that moment, it breaks as soon as it leaves my head. And I've learned from those kinds of moments, like, this is a feeling in my body. If I explained it to people, it would sound insane, but it's a feeling that I know the Holy Spirit. I've had it enough times now where I know the Holy Spirit's trying to give me A physical, scientific symptom to know what I'm supposed to be doing spiritually. And it's proved itself over and over again. Do you pay attention to the way in which the spirit works in your body? Sometimes I get creative. Sometimes my ear rings and I pause. I'm like, Jesus, is that you? I never know why my ear's are ringing. I'll pray for a minute. Is there something you want to say? He's never said anything in those moments. <laughs> but that's just me like picking up on little things. Now what I've learned is I probably need to go to the doctor because something's wrong with my ears. But first, I instead pause and say, Holy Spirit, there's a symptom within my body. Is there something you want to say in this moment or am I just reading into this? Um, other times, it's just impressions. It's feelings. This is the way in which I usually lead worship. I like to call it uh, worship soup. I have the recipe ahead of time. I know the songs that we plan on doing, unless it's spare oom in which we have no idea what we're doing. But for a Sunday morning, we know the schedule. We know what we're going to get into. But we're making soup right in front of you. If I sense for some reason like a song comes into my head that I didn't plan on doing, I know that it could just be my head working together the chords that we're playing through. But I also know the Holy Spirit may be prompting me for a song that might hit in some way that I didn't expect. And so the soup recipe gets changed on the fly. I never thought about throwing in a little basil. I wonder how that will add to it. And so we grab a different ingredient, we chuck it in on the fly, and we see what happens. There's been numerous times where I've done things like this where at the end of service, when I didn't know what the pastor was preaching on or all these other little elements that were going to come in, we step back, and in that moment we're like, wow, Look at the way in which the Spirit took all those spontaneous parts and kind of drew together a service that we weren't expecting. Okay, so what did the Spirit sound like in those moments? Thoughts. It doesn't get much more scientific than that, your brain. But in the same way that you think your Spirit's thoughts, so you also can think the Holy Spirit's thoughts. And I've seen that in in crazy ways sometimes. Sometimes. There was one time I was praying with someone and I suddenly had a part of a song come into my head, which was just, um, it was Stephanie Gretzinger. Baby, you're almost home now. Please don't quit now. You're almost home to me. And I looked at that person and said, I think the spirit's singing a song over you. Do you know what it is? And they stopped and they paused. And then they sang, baby, you're almost home now. Please don't quit now. You're almost home to me. Like you can't make that stuff up. And then the Holy Spirit hit them with that song in a crazy way. Uh, It came on in a... uh, While we were praying one time, it came on on Spotify. And when it was over, it repeated itself and played again. (laughs) We're like, okay, that's not how algorithms work. What just happened here? Likewise, uh, God continued to use that song to speak to them in some incredible visionary ways as time went on. There was... uh, um, we were at the Chapter House. It was a place where pastors gather here in Jackson. And we were having our prayer session in the basement, in which I fell asleep three times. Right? Two of those times, I, I had many dreams, just quick glimpses of something. I texted someone the first time. I was like, I just saw this weird thing. Uh, I don't know if it's for you or not, but in case the Holy Spirit's saying something, in case my heart is being strangely warmed, in case he's speaking into the spiritual and the science of who I am, here it is. To which they texted me back, that means nothing to me. It's like, great, you know? Like, I try to step out just in case. And then I texted another person a few minutes later and, and got 10 paragraphs of return of how meaningful that was to them. And then they saw answers to that word in the upcoming days, like as soon as I think the next day, like that was a that was a moment in which I'm just trying to listen to the spirit. Well, no, I was trying to sleep during prayer. <laughs> and the spirit used that moment to speak into it. These are all the kinds of things where disciples might say we had this impression, we had this feeling. Yes, we saw something crazy and supernatural he broke bread he disappeared he was with us for hours we didn't recognize him suddenly we did all those things but followed up by this feeling this impression of of something deeper something lasting those are moments you have to hang on to because all of you in here probably have moments where you felt like god was saying something really intense to you and you know what happens as time goes on right You're removed from that emotion. You're removed from the craziness of that scenario. And then suddenly you're like, eh, was that really God or was that just my feelings? This is why I always try to journal these things when they happen. I want the, like, rawness of the moment because I know as I'm removed from that moment where my heart is strangely warmed, when my heart is cold down the road, it it won't feel the same heat those are the moments that change us. Those are the moments that pivot us, that that head us in new directions. So pay attention to your body. Pay attention to your feelings. Pay attention to your emotions, to your heart, soul, mind, and strength. If God wants you to worship him with the fullness of who you are, then God also wants to speak to you in the fullness of who you are. So... Let me say a prayer for you to just give you the space to open yourself up to God in those ways. God, we want to hear you more. We want to know you deeper. We want to be in your presence. We want our hearts to be warmed. We want them to be on fire like the, the disciples, like John Wesley, like Charles Finney, like Teresa of Avila. We want to get to know the spiritual and the science of the ways in which you speak to us. That where it is for the disciples that they just feel something, they they know that it's just burning, that there's something real there. And God, for the disciples, the burning in their heart partially came while Jesus, while they were in the presence of Jesus, but also while Jesus was reading scriptures to them. Can we be like that, God? When we come to read our Bibles, would you let our hearts burn within us because your presence comes alongside us to help us read Scripture? Would the Bible just hit us like a ton of bricks? When we go to pray, would your presence hit us like a ton of bricks? When we go to worship, Would our hearts be open to really pursuing you, and would you hit us like a ton of bricks? We want to know you more. We long for your presence. That's the greatest thing. I think of uh, a friend of mine who um, has plenty of doctorate degrees and all these things, and yet if you ask him what he's looking for in a church, he would just tell you that there's nothing like the presence. That is the kind of place where our hearts are caught on fire. Holy Spirit, may we be known as that kind of place, that kind of community, and that that fire would push us out into the streets just like it did at Pentecost. That the streets of Jackson might know who you are. We give ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen.